Hello, everyone, and welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast. This is episode number 16. Thank you all very much for joining us again, wherever you are in the world, right now listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, what a past few weeks it has been with the Tokyo 2020 Olympics just wrapping up with phenomenal success in and out of the pool. I just wanted to reach out and say a big thank you to Mr. Bobby Hurley, who joined me quite a bit through the games to go through all the action. I loved it. And I think you'll be seeing a bit more of Bobby on the podcast in a few more weeks to come. So make sure you look out for that. I also wanted to take this opportunity to thank our unbelievable sponsors, Arena Australia and Arena NZ, as well as Pro Swim Workouts. Without you guys and your continued support of Off The Blocks, it would not be possible to do this show each and every week. So thank you very, very much. Now it's time for today's guest. He's an Olympic gold medalist and bronze medalist from Tokyo and the only male swimmer to bring home an individual gold medal from the Games. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get stuck in right now because my chat with Olympic champion Zach Stubblity Cook starts now. Take your ball. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two Today on the show is a man who a fortnight ago in the pool over in Tokyo swam for the Australian swim team and absolutely killed it, finishing with a bronze medal in the four by one medley relay, the mixed. Also, who can forget his unbelievable swim in the men's 200 meter breaststroke, charging past everyone in the last 50 to become one of only four Aussies to pick up an individual gold medal at the Games and the lone male to grab the gold. It's a great honor to have back again on Off The Block Swimming Podcast, Olympic gold medalist, Zach Stubblity-Cook. Mate, how are you? Good, thank you for having me and thanks for taking the time today. Oh, mate, no trouble at all. Anytime I get to talk to Olympic gold medalists, mate, I jump at the chance. Don't worry, I'll straight out of bed, up up to the coffee shop. Well, not a coffee shop because it's closed, but 7-Eleven. Jumped into 7-Eleven <laughs> and grabbed some coffee. And I was ready to go. Now, mate, you, you just talked to me before we started this and you're on today's show today. You're on Triple M. Has it started to sink in yet what you've done over there? Have you had a chance to sort of process it or is all of these interviews coming, you know, left, right and centre and you haven't actually had a chance to yourself to to process what happened over there? Yeah, I think um, probably coming off a bit of a high and coming into hotel quarantine in Howard Springs kind of forced that come down pretty quickly. But yeah, a lot of the media stuff is is so so good to have my name out there and inspire some younger generation. That's what I hope it's doing anyway. But you know, um, yeah, it's been a lot, a lot to take in. But over the last few days, it's been probably a bit more chill and a bit more relaxed. Um, and kind of having the closing ceremony last only last night was was a bit of closure and a bit of drawing the line in the sand of, you know, that, that, that chapter is over and I can reflect on it and hopefully plan for the future. 
Did you feel uh, like you're missing out on something while that was all going on? I mean, obviously, you guys, because of, you know, COVID, and you guys had to get the flick straight away. Like basically, swimming was finished. I think you guys only had one night to, to enjoy yourselves. And I think from, from things I've heard, you just did enjoy yourself a bit that night. And then flick straight out the door, and you're back into cabins now up in Darwin. Did you feel a bit robbed of that opportunity? And would you like to obviously look ahead, try and make sure you don't miss out next time? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it was nice to have a celebration as a whole team and actually have that opportunity. And I think quite a few of us are looking forward to celebrating with family and friends when we get home. And yeah, it, it, it delays it a little bit. And I think that, that does suck, but it is what it is. And we were lucky just to be there, you know, at the end of the day. Um, and seeing the closing ceremony, probably the thing that hit the most, like when they did the medal presentation for the marathons, Mm. there's like this very distinct music they had for the metal presentations and like I was just talking to Arnie about it and she was just like yeah like all the emotion just like came back of like what it was like to stand and stand behind that dais and stand up on the podium and it was like I can still hear it now it's like gives you some goosebumps and really hits the feels hard um but you know I didn't think I was missing out on too much you know I think we were lucky just to have the opportunity just to race there Look at you go. Just lucky to have the opportunity. I love it. Uh, all the, all the uh, Triple M stuff and the, you know, Today Show, it's all getting to you. You're playing the politically correct card. Now, um, we'll get to the race in a second, obviously. We're going to get to, you know, it wasn't just one race. You're in a few others as well, and we'll get to that. But just give the listeners a bit of an insight into what it was like over in Tokyo, obviously, with the COVID stuff and, you know, it being tests and protocols all the time. And what was the athletes' village? Because obviously – we got to see on, on Instagram and, and Snapchat a lot of stuff with the Athletes Village, but what was it like for you over there? This was your first games, but it wasn't one that was a normal one, was it? No, I don't think I, I can't compare too much to other things. Um, like Commonwealth Games is probably the closest um, thing with the dining hall and everything, but we had perspex between us all and we were constantly washing our hands, sanitising everywhere always in a mask unless you're in your room um yeah those kind of things was just it, it became normal um became the new norm mm. i think the cardboard bed was interesting um <laughs> yeah having to eat with gloves on so when you were going around the dining hall you actually had to put on gloves so that no one could contaminate things yeah um which was weird and you'd sit down and sanitize your whole space and with, with um, disinfectant wipes before you even started eating, you know, those kind of things just became normal after two weeks. But to anyone listening, there'd probably be like perspex screens between eating. It was a little odd. Um, and, you know, we were tested every day through a spit test. So we had to drop that off every single day, fill a test tube with spit basically. Um, first thing in the morning before you were allowed to eat or drink. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was weird probably for a few days and looking back, it is a little strange, but in that environment where, you know, you're in a high pressure environment anyway, trying yeah. to get the best out of yourself, you can't really take the time to complain or take the time to actually have a think about like how strange it actually is. It's kind of just like, okay, that's it. Get on with it. 
it is what it is. Like, yeah, no bloody that eating hall. It. it looked like you were always, you know, visiting somebody in jail or something and you had to talk through that class. <laughs> yeah, that, it was a bit odd. Like a few people made that comment of like, <clears> yeah, it looks like looks like we we're about sitting in between someone that was in in jail. <laughs> now, you mentioned the beds, mate. Talk to us. How did they hold up? Um, you know, did you and the boys jump on them and really put them to the test? And who did you room with over there? Were you, was you, were you rooming with anybody? Yeah, I was rooming with Mac Horton, which was really great. Like him and I formed a good friendship over the last few years. And yeah, we, we share similar values and similar interests. So that was really positive to be with him. Um, and no, nah, we didn't really break the beds or anything. They're actually a lot sturdier than I think people people thought the only issue was Mac brought over a humidifier and um cracked the humidifier like obviously on the plane suitcases getting thrown around etc the 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 I don't know what you call it like the container that held the water um actually cracked we didn't realize until probably like two nights in when the whole floor was wet when we got up and the, <laughs> the cardboard bed had gotten a bit soggy on the end of his bed. So, you know, it was, it was no more sitting on the end of the bed. It was, uh, yeah, there was, that was like the only downside, I think, to the cardboard bed. <laughs> could just imagine the end of it collapsing down. Mate, yeah. how, was the, how was the pool? Talk to us about the pool. Obviously, we'll get to the racing part of it, but when you first stepped into it, everyone remembers sort of their first you know, steps into a, a big pool when they're first there, whether it's, you know, the Olympic pool in Homebush for the first time when you're a youngster. Obviously, this was a big moment for you. What was the atmosphere like and what was the pool like? The pool was unbelievable. Like, seeing that pool for the first time was was pretty special and made it feel very real. Um, if anyone listening has been to Japan, they know Japanese are pretty meticulous and particular about everything they do and, when they do something, normally they do it very well. Um, and when they put their mind to something, it's it's quite incredible, like what they do and how they perform. And it was just so great to see such an amazing pool. Like uh, I love Tatsumi, um, but this was something else, like the lighting, the cameras, the pool was just clean and pristine, mm-hmm. even all the way down to like, you know, when you're at nationals and when, when we race internationally, often they lay like they have a tiled pool and they'll lay down like a wet deck, as I call it, um, that's basically temporary so you don't slip and it's a little bit spongy. But mm. they had like a permanent wet deck, which was like a completely different material. So all the way from that to like the ambient air temperature in the whole pool, the whole complex was always like twenty four, a nice twenty four degrees. So yeah, like everything was thought of and. You know, it was very special looking down the from one end of the pool to the other and seeing seeing the rings and seeing like that you you'd finally gotten there. And I guess the atmosphere, a lot of people have been asking about like what it was like without crowds, but you know, like it didn't make too much of a difference, I don't think, because there's so many teammates in the stand and so many like the Americans were making lots of noise, the Russian Olympic Committee was making lots of noise the Aussies were making plenty of noise for all the teammates. So the atmosphere wasn't, wasn't lost in any way. I think, you know, it was a very big space, but definitely didn't feel empty. 
Yeah. No, I think it was a good touch to be able to have the team in there, wasn't it? And obviously, maybe not so much while you're swimming, because there's a lot of swimmers have told me when I'm calling out to them while they're swimming, I can't even hear you. But at least when you were able to, you know, celebrate with them after it or, you know, hear their, you know, their cheerings. And I, I guess that would have made it a lot more special. Um, definitely. Talk to me about your 100 breaststroke. How did you feel? after it but like during it but like because a lot we obviously we're going to talk about your 200 breaststroke yeah but you know you did have a swim before it so i think it always plays a part in the story so you know how was that swim for you and what did you feel after it yeah absolutely like um for me it wasn't everything i wanted um like i was swimming well and I, i i did that part of the race and i did did the 100 and didn't get everything I wanted out of it, but I got some positive kind of out of it that like the back end was good. And I knew that I was capable of swimming a good 200 off that swim. Still, I think like I just got a bit caught up in the moment at that point in time of this is the Olympics. Um, So yeah, like I was, I was very, I was mixed, but I had to park it pretty quickly. I think that's, that's, that's how I felt about it. Um, that it was like, oh, this isn't isn't everything I wanted, but it's okay. Like, just get on with it. So that's where I was at with the hundred. And you know, at the end of the day, I wasn't there for the hundred. Like, yes, I wanted it trials, and yes, I was the number one relay pick <laughs> by the end of the meet. Um, we'll, we'll probably get to that. Um, yeah. So you know, in that regard, um, yeah, it was. I had to remind myself that I wasn't there for the 100. I wasn't there for the individual 100. I was there as a 200 swimmer that was lucky enough to get a 100 spot. And, yeah, that, that's that's where I was at with that. Looking back, do you think it was a positive that you got to have that hit out and you got that sort of moment out of the way that, like, oh, shit, I'm at the Olympics here. That wasn't in your pet event, the 200. You got to sort of get that out of the way. And not that we want to throw away an Olympic swim. I don't want to make no. it sound bad, but you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm still learning. Um, at the end of the day, everyone's still learning. And I'm still learning how to deal with those emotions and those highs. And, um, yeah, I think that was definitely definitely a positive out of it that I got that out of it and, like, you know, I don't want to sound ungrateful that I got in the 100 Olympic swim, you know, that was such a blessing. And so I'm so stoked to have had it. But mm. yeah, like it, it definitely did help the 200 in, in that regard. Like, yeah. yeah I brought the down. I bet you t- uh, the Today Show didn't ask you about your 100 breaststroke. So no, only off no, the blocks. I think a lot of brought, people don't even know. Only that off the blocks has brought the level down to, oh, now I'm shit. I was upset about my 100. Let's get to it. Let's let's pick the move back up. Let's get to the 200 breaststroke. Now, um, obviously, I was covering all the results uh, because we were, you know, me and Bobby Hurley were doing a show every day and talking about the swim. So I was across all the heats and the semis. And I've got to say, you know, you looked pretty comfortable and controlled in most of them, even to the point of, you know, the semi-final where old mate Wilby just went hell for leather and took it out and you still managed to to sneak inside him at the end there. Were they as controlled as they appeared? Because from, from the outside looking in, you look pretty comfortable, especially after that uh, the heat swim. It looked like, all right, I'm on here and everything I've sort of planned is, is feeling good. I mean, probably the heat wasn't. It was probably the least comfortable. <laughs> um, I think like the heat, I was most nervous and the heat, I was definitely 
bit more how to phrase it like mentally fatigued i think that's the best way of phrasing it like when you are a bit nervous when you do have you are exerting that energy in that in that way by thinking about how you're going to swim and thinking where are you at mm. um that's that's something that i've tried to work on and something that i'm still working on but that nervous energy is something that you can just kind of like park and when i i was lucky that Arno was swimming next to me in the heat, you know, that definitely carried me through to the semi really well because I knew he, he loves a heat. <laughs> he's a, he's a guy that is a racer always like he's hundred that, that was, I think, I think he swam a touch faster in the final, but he swam the, like one of his fastest swims in the heat of the hundred breasts, like session one, night one, mm-hmm. it was, you know, so I knew he was swimming fast and I knew that, he would go fast in the morning, uh, the evening. Um, so in that regard, and then into the semi, you know, I was fortunate, like fortunate in some ways that I was, I was a bit mixed about it because I knew that for everyone back at home, you know, there's two ways that people have kind of swimming to a restaurant. They're a bit divided at the moment, whether swimming as a back end race or swimming as a front end race. So, Arno and those guys and will be swimming as a front end race and mm-hmm. I'm a back end swimmer that kind of trusts my length and trusts my speed through the first hundred and then builds in um, into that second hundred and tries to maintain the speed a lot, like a bit more. And for me, the semi was a bit different because, you know, Arno, Arno was in heat one or semi-final one. And a lot of the front end guys were in semi final, including Matt. And I was in semi final too, where I kind of knew Chukov was there. Will be is from a good back end race as well, so I didn't know whether he was going to go either way. So I was like, I'm kind of blessed that I can see where they're going to go in their first semi final, yep. and then kind of swim swim a bit to that and get through to the final. So, but I was a little worried because I was like, well if all of us kind of sit back and wait for someone to go, then no one's going to go. So I kind of had to just park it and go, okay, I'm just going to swim my own race and whatever happens, happens. So for me, long story short is I just followed my process and didn't think, like tried not to think too much about what was happening in the pool. Mm. And to be honest, like that semifinal was probably the freest I've swum in a long time. Like I just felt relaxed. Like I came out and I was smiling. I was happy. I was just happy to be there. And <laughs> you wouldn't believe that 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 was a pretty surreal feeling feeling relaxed for the olympics you know um and even in the final like i was i was nervous but i was relaxed so mm. yeah like i think i just went in the mentality of my process is my process and whatever comes to that process is is what's going to happen i'll be uh, and i'm just going to be happy with that yeah talk to us about that i mean you sort of went into race plan a little bit there and obviously I don't think, you know, it's any secret into how you're racing it. And as you said, you know, more back end dominant and, and charging through. How hard was it for all the youngsters listening out there who listen to their coaches and they talk about race plans? Now, this is you at the biggest stage in swimming in the world. There is no bigger in terms of the pinnacle of swimming. So this is the biggest stage and you've got to go out there and execute a race plan with all the superstars around you. Now, I said it before on the podcast 
you know, you weren't just swimming against easy beats here. It wasn't Ozak Stubbler to cook one because the best swimmers weren't there. You were swimming against a star-studded field. Kaminga's coming off, you know, some really fast 100 breaststroke. Uh, Matson, we saw swim pretty quick in his semifinal and heats as well. We know Chupkov is there. So we, we know it's a star-studded field. How hard was it for you to just stay composed, stay in the pocket and say, well, no, this is my race plan and I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to come through? Yeah, um, yeah, it is difficult. Um, there's no two ways about it, but I guess that's what training's for, and that's what like I've kind of been building towards, like having my process very much set in stone and keeping to that. So, you know, I have been Gold Coast doing that, Sydney doing that, you know, trials doing that, and just keeping it, trying to keep it as simple and the same as possible. That's as simple as it is, like. Yeah, to everyone back at home, it looks and feels different. And yeah, it looks and feels different to me, but I've got to try and treat it as exactly the same and try and get the best out of myself on the day. Like, And I think, you know, that's, that's what it is about. And I think if you ask anyone, like, it is a race and you've just got to do your best. And, you know, winning is an amazing feeling, an amazing thing, but just to do your best, you should be happy enough. Um and if I was going to end up on the podium or end up fourth or fifth, I was just absolutely happy enough to be trying to execute my perfect race on the day and doing the best I can. Do you have any markers through your race that tell you whether you're on or not, stroke counts, feel? Do you have anything where, so like through that race, did you have a feeling like we're on here or am I reading too much into a swimming race and it's all just, you know, away we go on that last 50? Do you have stroke counts? Do you have things, markers, as I said, that you look at and go, yeah, I'm on here. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess that's more for not the Olympic final. That's more for like a Sydney international meet, you know, a Sydney mm-hmm. Open. Um and like when I am training, it is it is about trying to like hit that first length, hit that sh- hit, sorry, hit that first lap stroke count. So yep. for me, like at the moment, it's fourteen to fifteen, um, and that's about the sweet spot for me at the moment. Hopefully, we can tweak that a little bit. I think and get a little bit faster. But yeah, I think like that's where I'm at. And if I can set that up and then build through the race, that's kind of as simple as it is um you know beyond that i guess it's more looking at it after like for me looking at it looking back at it is more so so after the heat you look at like okay these are the rates this is where it can improve not necessarily thinking about it too much during the race it's more trying to execute the process you've practiced time and time and time again like whether that be like pace 50s at stroke rate or stroke count or, you know. Um, and for me, a lot of my stroke is all about timing and trying to nail that timing. And so, yeah, it is process orientated, but when I am racing, it's, it's yeah, it's flow, you know. Mm. Well, give us an insight made into that last 50 because I'll give you an insight into my lounge room. I was standing behind the lounge I was almost ducking behind the lounge because you left it right to the last minute. Although in saying that, with 10 metres to go, I never doubted you, mate. Um, but, you know, I was jumping up and down. For you, you're in the moment. I know a lot of the listeners would have been, you know, jumping around and excited as well. That last 50, what was it like for you? Was it just, you know, put the foot down and away we go? 
Um, and was there a moment where you thought you had it or what, did you not know till you touched the wall, turn around, <laughs> had a look, and it had a number one next to your name? Yeah, I still don't probably believe it, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, um, no, I, there was no moment where I was like, oh, my God, like, this is real. I think, mm-hmm. like, it probably wasn't until I was standing behind the podium seeing the flag go up was like, oh, wow, this just happened. And even then, like, now, like, I'm like, it still doesn't feel real, you know. I, I, I still have the same attitude of going in and trying to do my best and, like, I am just so humbled and so stoked that like it pulled off and I won. Like, you know, that's that's where my head's at. And that's still, I think, the way I'm gonna keep continuing. Um I don't want to get too pumped up that, you know, it is an Olympic gold medal and the pinnacle of our sport, but I think I've still got more to give, you know. So I think I'm excited for the future now and have a bit of confidence that like my process and all the training over the last year, five years works, you know, simple as that. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's a good way to be, mate. Don't they always say train like you're coming second anyway? So Yeah, train always... like you're the second best in the world. Yeah, that's it. Um, now, mate, just a quick one. How come we didn't see Vince doing an ultimate warrior impersonation like Boxel? What, what was <laughs> like we didn't, there was no camera chasing Vince. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know. I think, um, he disappeared and had a quiet moment to himself, apparently. Yeah. And, yeah, it was one of the first well, – this, this actually was the second time I've ever seen Vince cry. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know, that's better than better than winning. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, te- all tears of joy. Yeah. But, yeah, like that was a pretty special moment, being able to, you know, him giving me a big hug and saying how proud he was of me. And I think, you know, it's been a long time coming – for a coach like him um, to get an Olympic gold medal. And it's a testament to him and all his hard work. You know, this was his fourth, fourth or fifth Olympics. I think it was his fourth. I'm pretty sure he missed one between Sydney and this year. Um, so, you know, that's a long journey and he's had a lot of great athletes and I'm just so humbled that I was able to share that moment with him and be able to, you know, see his hard work pay off as well through me, you know. Um, he works so hard day in, day out. And, you know, there was no survivor impression, but I think deep down he was pretty emotional and it was a big emotional week for him. And anyone that knows Vince, he's a bit of a he, – he comes off a bit dry, I think, is the, is a good way to put it. And yeah. that's great when we're back at home and he's level-headed, but – um, it's nice to see some emotion on his face, even though it wasn't it wasn't anything on Dean. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely was not. That went viral for sure. Uh, now, I thought it was important to talk about Vince because obviously in terms of the media, you know, um, you know, Boxel and rightly so was was all across it. And um, even Chris Mooney was on there a few times um, and Bowley, but we didn't see a lot of Vince. And, and as you said, I know how hard he's worked for that moment. Um, and, and he should be just as proud of himself as, as you should. And it was a great partnership, a long time, you guys working together. I know we, we talked about, obviously, uh, you know, on the previous podcast, what you'd been through and, and the ups and downs and trials and tribulations before you, you got to training with Vince. So uh, definitely a special moment. And I wanted to make sure we, we got that out there. So congrats to Vince as well. Um, mate, before we um, get into some other stuff, talk to me about the mixed relay, because obviously it's a new... Um, 
it's a new event. There's a lot of sort of uh, talk about it as well. You know, I was talking to uh, Clemmy the other day and he's saying he wasn't a massive fan of bringing it in. We've got other people who are, are loving it. Uh, also, there's a lot of mathematicians coming out of the woodworks who want to try and work out the best combinations. A, did you? how much did you enjoy being a part of it? Because obviously it's Olympic bronze medal, so we can't sneeze at that. And B, were you guys doing any maths behind the scenes as well, working out combinations, or did you leave that to the coaches? Yeah, we all we leave that all to the coaches. I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, we've just four of us have to have our best race. That's that's what we're there to do. And amongst the team, it's always good. And you know, you have Kaylee and Emma in the team. It's it's pretty special to share, like share the pool and share our team with those two. Um, yeah, it's I I really enjoy the event. Like it's exciting. Um, it's a really, really, really good event. Um, I know some people don't enjoy it that much, and I, I can kind of understand why. Like the Olympic program is pretty big in swimming as it is, but I think to anyone out there that doesn't like it, you know, it, it's an entertaining race. Like it's probably the race that it changes hands so often. Mm. Simple as that. Like in that race, I think we were coming. Becoming seventh to fifth to fourth to third, you know, <laughs> like to do that is 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 really fun, and I think it's also kind of yeah, it, it's interesting to watch in that regard. And tactics come a lot more into it than like a men's medley relay because a men's medley relay, you know, it's one order. There's four males. Your fastest four males, or same with the freestyle relay. It's like mm. yeah, there's a bit of tactics of who's going to lead, who's going to bring it home, who can swim through wash, like those kind of things. But the mixed medley is like and like another level of that, you know. It's another level of spice almost, if you will, um, that you can you can play around with. But, yeah, we're not, we're not thinking about the maths or anything like that. Like we leave that all up to the coaches and the selectors. Do you think we've worked out, should, do we need boys doing the breaststroke? Is that the biggest margin for, for difference there? I don't know. Um, if we can, if Chelsea can get down to a 104, um, which I think she's more than capable of doing, probably, probably not. She she could swim it and, yeah. you know, if it, it, it all depends, you know, having a world record holder in the hundred back, you know, yeah. Why wouldn't you put her in? Um, so, you know, she's literally the fastest female in history in the hundred backstroke. So, <laughs> true. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with that 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 statement. But um, like I think the way they work it out, you know, anyone can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, is that it's just off differential. So if you have like in in that that means that you know if if we did have we only had a 59 swimmer but we had a 104 five individual 100 meter female breaststroker that could swim a maybe a 104 one or a 103 nine mm -hmm. in a relay they're probably more inclined to put the female in and then swim a backstroker who can swim four seconds faster you know so those kind of things i think come into play um but yeah you know, right, let's think, be honest. Does it make a big difference that we've got Adam Peaty who's going 56 and a half? And if he wasn't in there, it probably would make it a lot different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like for the men in that, it, like the, you, you couldn't, like GB couldn't put a girl in. Yeah. 
you know, it's as simple as that. Like you've got eight seconds. <laughs> you know, oh, man. That's, he, that's a he, big difference. And yeah. like when when the US girls going one hundred five in that race, uh, poor girl putting uh, with the goal was around her mouth, but she went one hundred five, and Peter goes fifty six, and like so, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just do the maths on that. Yeah, just- yeah, exactly. It makes a big difference. God damn, he was swimming some fast uh, splits in those relays now. Obviously, we mentioned the mixed relay um, and we, we know what sort of success the, the women had on the last day as well. How proud are you, you know, to be a part of um, such a great team, great people, and how much, because I couldn't help but notice you're going 58 mids in your relay splits as well. We noticed Chelsea went 105.5, which is half a second off the girl who won an Olympic gold medal. So how much, you know, does swimming in a relay with these guys how much, sorry, does it lift you, obviously, you know, as I said, going off your splits, going off Chelsea's splits, having a look at some of the other fast splits. We just mentioned what Adam Peaty was going, 56 and a half. How important is it, you know, being around your mates? Mm. We know swimming is such an individual sport, but this kind of shows that, you know, when you're around the team, you can lift. Absolutely. And I think that's just a testament to the team we have and the camaraderie we have. Like, you know, it's a pretty special group and it's a pretty pretty special team and i think the results show that um and the the attitude everyone's had shows that but yeah it is very special to be part of a team and part of a a a group of athletes and it's inspiring and you want to do the best for yourself but not not just yourself you Mm -hmm. want to do the best for that team as well and you know when you're hurting that last 25 you can feel feel that energy lift you a little bit more and build through like you know, I've, I, I was pretty, very, very happy with the way I was swimming and kind of got faster and faster, which I thought I would be happy just to maintain. Like after that turn of breast in the morning, I was 58 eight that night. So I was yeah. like, yeah, you know, like I was like, oh, I was surprised myself here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like I was, I was very happy to be able to build through and um, have all those relay opportunities and, yeah, I've never, I'd never raced the international relay in my life before the Olympics, and now I raced four. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just humbled to be part of those teams and be amongst like the Carl and Mitch and, and Temple in the last relay, and then, you know, Emma and yeah, like Emma and Kayla, as I said before, like watching Emma get out of the 53 semi and swimming like three laps of the dive pool and then getting yeah. out and doing hundred free. It's like, what? You are like insane. That's amazing. <laughs> like, you, you know, so yeah, you do lift for a team and you give it your all. And often, often it makes you dig a little bit deeper. Well, you mentioned there just a question. I'm not saying without notice, none of these questions you've had notice with, but this is just one that came to me because we're just talking about it. You're not one who's been putting a lot of relays over the years, this is probably the first time that p- people looked at you and go, damn, he's, oh, he's swimming good. Let's, let's get him in there. How did you handle that? Because, you know, this was sort of on the spot as well. You know, I think was that the heat swim you got thrown straight into, you didn't know if it was only the day before or something like that. You got told you're in it. So how did you, you know, sort of um, put that all together in your head and get around it and then just get on board with it. And then obviously we know, as I said, you know, 58 and a half or 58, six, I think your last, 100 split was there. You look at me with the stats go now. You see, I'm telling you, I've watched all the races. Uh, yeah, 
How did you how did you go with that? Obviously, you'd got to it in the end, but at the beginning, was it hard to wrap your head around going, all right, shit, there's a lot of swimming I've got to do here? Oh, uh, you know, I, I just took it one race at a time. Um, because there was always the option to put Matt in um as he was there and he's he's been 58 in a relay as well. Um I think he's actually been seven nine once. Um you know, I I I had in the back of my mind that there was a potential to swim like seven times over the whole week. Um, ended up swimming eight, um, you know, and I guess they knew my background of the work we've done and everything. And they knew I was capable of backing up. And I kind of, I think, <laughs> I don't want to say stitch myself up, but like having the hundred in uh, the 200 in the morning and then backing up and doing going 58, eight, that same night was like, you know, not, not coming down from that high at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely, definitely kind of proved my worth a bit and proved mm. that I was capable of swimming fast, like under fatigue. So yeah, for me, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's where it came from. I was not necessarily thinking about race after race. It was more, um, yeah, just, just executing each race and ensuring I was getting all the processes right. Oh, well, mate, I thought um, you did yourself very, very proud. And, you know, as you know now, obviously walking out with a bronze medal as well, it just adds another string to the bow for you in terms of trying to, you know, and obviously you and Matt are going to battle it out and any breaststrokers coming up in the ranks are going to want to get on that team. And I think it makes it um, equally as exciting as a spectator to watch because now obviously you're, you know, battling it out for individual spots, but those relay spots, as I said, just add another layer, don't they? When you look back, you look at what Emma did, obviously individually phenomenal, but uh, a lot of relay success as well. Absolutely. I think like, yeah, that's the same with, you know, Caleb Dressel that got one more gold than her. He was in, I think, yeah, he was in all the relays and, you know, that's, that's the nature of that. And yeah, it, it, it will be exciting. I'm excited to, you know, um, be pushed. Um, I think Matt's pretty hungry again and, not that he wasn't hungry before, but he's definitely hungry now and mm. looking to help his sort out his injuries and, you know, get back to where he was. And I'm looking to push further forward. And I think there's a few young guys coming through that is, it's very exciting seeing 16-year-olds go times that I was I was only going, you know, <laughs> as well. Um, so seeing, seeing the young guys come through as well and, having opportunities to chat to them as well. And I'm just so happy with the, where the sport's going and excited for the future of breaststroke in Australia. And I think, yeah, you know, as well, even globally, like there's a good, <laughs> very fast group of group of men in that 200 breast and in the 100 breast. So, you know, there was going into the Olympics, there was six 206s, um, six 206. Oh, sorry, five two oh six swimmers at mm. the meet, six two oh six swimmers globally, and you know that was that was an exciting prospect because you know only a year ago there was three, and a year before that was there was two, and a year before that there was one. So you know, in the progression over three years is is pretty incredible, and to see hopefully to see you know there's now three guys going sub two ten in Australia and. That's. I don't think that's ever happened before. I don't think we've had three sub two ten, turn breaststrokers ever. Um, it's always been one or two. 
So that's exciting for the future. Yeah, well, mate, as I said to you, you know, when I was building you up about that gold medal, I mean, a gold medal's fantastic, but as I said, you you, you didn't just beat Easy Beats. <laughs> that was a very, very fast field um, and, you know, killed it. And Kaminga, bloody hell, he was swimming quick. He was one of my favourite people to watch through the Olympics outside of Yeah, Australia. he does no, no, no um, swimming all up either. It's all dry land. Oh, really? Yeah, that. pretty sure. Um, but he's a guy that you can't really talk to, like, you know, you have the people you can talk to in marshalling because yeah. they're pretty relaxed, but he's not not a guy. He loves just geeing himself up like a lot. And I'm, just, I'm sitting there relaxed going, <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> What's he got a headset on listening to music or is he? Yeah, he's got a headset on. He just like does jumps, does push-ups, like just really just geez himself up. Like it looks like he's about to go into a fight, kind of geeing himself up, whereas I'm sitting there just trying to like, Conserve energy, relax, yeah, chill out. But everyone has their processes, and it's it was a bit different going in without Matt. It was like the first international final I've ever had without him, so that I've been in mm. that I've had without him. So that was a little weird going into a final where you know there are people that speak English, but <laughs> not everyone does. Yeah, um, that's a little that's something I, I think a lot of people like domestically never would have experienced like you go into finals where it's like oh this is a bit weird because like i can't talk to anyone yeah well especially yeah you mentioned domestically i know a lot of the swimmers we have on here you know especially um at a, a you know age championships or open you know they love going into marshalling because they get to sit down and have a quick chat with their mates and sort of calms them before they go out so it would be a completely different experience i've always been fascinated by um the the marshalling area uh, the call room, as they call it over in America, because uh, as you said, the just the different temperaments that are in there. Um, you know, you've got that famous photo of you know Michael Phelps with his cranky face on. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it takes all types in there, and it's what works for your best. Because as you said, you know, Kaminga's in there doing his best pump up stuff, but he he swam pretty well. Oh, exactly, he swam incredibly well, and I think he'll challenge challenge me into the future and. I think we'll challenge each other, you know. Um, yeah, and I'm excited. It's just, I guess, it's, yeah, it all comes back to just the process, you know. That's my process. That's his process. And you have respect for each other and respect for each other's processes and simple as that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think that's a massive takeaway for all the listeners and the, the young kids is that, you know, what works for some people might not work for you. So don't always compare yourself to, why is that guy doing this? Or why is that chick doing that? What works for you is, is you know, what you've got to stick to. And I think, um, you know, you prove that more than anyone over in Tokyo, mate. Now, obviously, from a fan's perspective, sitting on the lounge, we had a lot of races that we love to watch. Did you get in the stands yourself? Did you get to watch any racing uh, at the pool? And what races stuck out for you the most that you weren't involved in? Um, I actually only got to watch one session. <laughs> Um, and that was the first final session because I wanted to watch Jack spawn and free. Um, obviously, like he's a friend and like a close friend and training partner in mm. quotation marks, you know, like he trains obviously very different to what I do, swimming a different stroke. But um, yeah, and seeing him medal was like quite emotional. Yeah. Because um, you obviously see how hard he works. I probably got more emotional his medal than my own um <laughs> you know and like 
obviously I was with the stand in the stands with Leah as well. And like, we both felt the same, like he worked so hard and to see him succeed like that was just incredible. And to see him do what he was always capable of doing is, you know, and his, his self-belief is unbelievable and something that he always inspires me. Like the un, un, unwavering, no self-doubt, you know, we all have it, but I think he just has this armor on him that when he goes to race, that's, that's it. There's no second thought, which is truly incredible. And something I tried to bit Im- imitate a bit going in and racing and, but, you know, and I, I've rewatched um, the four by two women. Well, actually, no, I didn't rewatch it. I watched it from drug testing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Leah being in that was, was great to see her do her best. And on that day, it was that was just an incredible race all in all between the Chinese Americans and the Aussies. So, and you know it's the fastest a four by a fastest Australian four by two we've ever put together. So, yeah. took a world record to win, and three of them went under the world record, which is which is no mean feat. And you know it's all all class that that relay and a star studded field from everyone. So. Those were my two highlights. Obviously, watching that was was and being teammates was very special. Um, you know, those were my two highlights from the games. <laughs> no, awesome. No, they were. And to your point, that four by two, um, you know, it was much discussed. Obviously, uh, about after it, but um, you know, there was yeah, three three teams went under the world record, um, and it was just that China were just a little bit quicker. So. Uh, it was a phenomenal race and great to see swimming pushing those boundaries. And it's not just one team like we saw in the four by one, which is incredible for Australia, but this was, this is the world of swimming progressing, which was awesome to see what other sports have caught your eye, mate. Obviously we've had BMX gold. We've had the canoe. We've had a lot of stuff going on. Um, what other sports have caught your eye? To be perfectly honest, I haven't watched that much. I've <laughs> um, been a bit preoccupied. Um, yeah, but I get it. the rock climbing, Stefanovic. I understand. It's just not that easy <laughs> just to get time to yourself. I understand. Yeah, uh, this <laughs> week was good though. Like, well, the past week was good. Having got getting the opportunity to see a bit. Like, it was enjoyable to watch the athletics, watch the high jump girl get up and do her best, and see her sticking to her processes, even though you know, like, it it, it might look externally a bit different and a bit a bit weird to some people, but it was a bit funky. Yeah. But she, she was comfortable with her own skin and Mm. did exactly what she needed to do to get where she was. And she trusted the process and, and then seeing the rock climbing was pretty cool. Like that was very cool. Um, I really liked the decathlete was, that was incredible seeing like the two decathletes, you know, seeing how exhausted he was and like seeing his teammate just push him along screaming in his ear and that was incredible to watch and you know um yeah to, like you know we, it kind of makes us look like we have an easy job just being good <laughs> at one sport you know they've got to be good at all of them so you know that's those were probably like three of the sports i really enjoyed watching um and was kind of inspired by for me i think um a certain sports just surprised me. Like I, I'm not someone, obviously I love swimming. I love maybe rugby league, but I'm not someone like, I don't really watch soccer. 
bores me to be honest. But when the when the girls were playing and they scored the goal and I started screaming, I was standing up. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I don't even like soccer, basketball. You know, when the men uh, won the bronze medal and I got emotional watching that. And I'm not really someone who really enjoys basketball, so. I think the Olympics were brilliant in that way that it, it sort of brought a lot of people together that maybe aren't always on the same page. But yeah, uh, I, I was loving the basketball. How could you not get emotional watching Patty Mills, um, you know, kill it for starters? If you look up, as I put in, I put on Instagram, look up leader in the dictionary, and you'll see a photo of Patty Mills. That was a phenomenal uh, performance. Absolutely, it was it was pretty inspirational to see that team come together. You know, two of the two got two of them have been there since 2008 and trying to trying to build to a medal for a long time and to see that to see it pull off is is quite incredible. Now, man, I want to finish with a little bit of fun with you because no doubt you've had all of these different interviews and I wanted to change it up and do something a little bit different. Um, so we're going to do, I, I told you before, I was going to do fan questions, but to be honest, I was too lazy and didn't get it in time. So I thought what we'll do is Google questions. So I typed your name into Google and these are the ones that came up. So these are what people are obviously searching about you for why I don't know, especially one of them. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know why someone wants to, anyway. So first one is, is Zach Stubbley to cook indigenous? No. <laughs> no, there you go. I don't know, people just maybe they, they thought that. Is Zach Stubbley cook a cook? That's way to be original, people out there. Uh, I love. I'm not. I'm not a <laughs> chef. I would never call myself a chef, but um, yeah, I love cooking. So, I guess it comes with the name. Yeah, that's, <laughs> just very original from people. Uh, where is Zach Stubbley cook from? From Brisbane, born and bred, and grew up there, and still there. <laughs> okay. Loves it up in Brisbane. It was a great place to live. I do miss it every day, especially now we're in lockdown down here in Sydney. Not that now you're in lockdown in the cold. Yeah, I know. Not that it, you know, I'm over it now. It's okay. I'm past it. Uh, <laughs> what is Zach's W. Cook's coffee order? Well, if I'm out, uh, it depends. You know, if it's a really good coffee shop. Um, so the coffee shop down the road from me, shout out to Super Numinary Coffee in Brisbane. Um, I'll, I'll get a filter or a batch brew, but uh, if, if not, it's normally a double shot, small latte. So, yeah, that means two or three shots, you know, in a very small cup. Um, I just like a little bit of milk. It's great. That's one thing about lockdown I've missed is I can't, like I'm, I told you, I'm going to 7-Eleven. Not that it's bad. Like it does the job. It, it passes it, but it's not like my favourite coffee. I just miss being able to go to my coffee shop. Anyway, last one. What yeah, is Zach's W Cook's height? Oh, I'm 181, so I'm not too tall. I'm very tall than your average person, but on the team, I'm definitely not a tall male. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, and the last game I want to play with you, mate, is miss the most. So obviously I'll give you two options. You pick one option and then I'll keep going from there and we'll we'll get to the end. So uh, first one is baking at home or your favourite coffee? That's too hard. You started with a question I too hard. Worry, I'm probably I knew you well baking. enough to add the ones that I know you love. <laughs> yeah, probably baking. baking I'm really right. missing that. Baking at home or barbecuing at home? Barbecuing. Barbecuing at home or sleeping in your own bed? Oh, yeah, sleeping. I'm missing my king size bed. I've been sleeping in a single for 
That sounds that sounds way too privileged. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, but, I mean, you're on yeah. a cardboard box, really. To be honest, so it's okay. We understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, sleeping <laughs> in your own bed or seeing your dog? Whoa, sleeping in my own bed. Sorry. Sleeping in your own bed or seeing your missus? Seeing the missus. There you go. And I, I'm assuming for everyone on the Australian team, they're all missing their loved ones and. Uh, family and friends and can't wait to, to see them. How long have you got in lock, uh, isolation up there, by the way? Uh, 14 days. So we're in day, I think we have eight days left. So seven days tomorrow. It's Monday today. Yeah, tomorrow is seven days. We have our next COVID test tomorrow. Oh, not long to go. Um, what, what are you doing up there anyway to pass the time? I didn't even ask this. What, look, what are you, we're seeing on Instagram and stuff, you know, you guys doing, um, sort of little gym session, workout sessions out on the deck, but we also know how small your room is. What are you doing to pass the time? I saw David Morgan's doing, um, putting together trucks and bloody um, trains and stuff. What are you doing? I'm building Lego. For all the audio listeners, this is horrible, but building Aston Martin. Oh. I like the James Bond Aston Martin. Um, did you already have that with you or you bought that or had it shipped in? What did you... Oh, uh, so I had I brought that to Tokyo to hopefully finish in Tokyo, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> Sorry, right, yeah, I think you had more important busy. things to. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted something to keep mentally away from swimming, but not watch a lot of Netflix. I wanted to just kind of not the biggest reader. Often, I think like when I am reading, I get a bit distracted. Um, so that's that's what I've been doing here and reading books here and. Doing a bit of Lego, doing a lot of reflection. Um, yeah, like it's it's kind of, you know, everyone talks, a lot of people talk about the Olympic come down and the kind of the blues that can come after it. But I think it's almost like been forced here, which yeah. is which is a good thing. I think like it's it's been fast tracked. So I think hopefully by the time I get home, we'll be a bit over that and or at least on the way to be over that. And like seeing family and friends will definitely help help that extra little last push to get over that hey question another question without notice because i've been getting this one a little bit and whether you can answer it or not or whether you want to stay out of trouble or not that's up to you i'll leave it out there why are you guys in demountables in darwin and other people are in four and a half star hotels outside of there is there a reason why you guys are there and other people is it just purely numbers do you do you know why or uh, so, like, there was a big charter flight home. So, because the swim team's so large, um, not large, but 36, 30-something athletes, um, and then there was, uh, like, the Rugby Sevens girls, I'm pretty sure, with us. Um, there's a few athletics guys with us. They had one charter flight home basically the middle of the week after the first week of competing. Um, so, they had the charter flight fly here um, rather than to hotel quarantine and, then the other flights have just been other flights home um, where they've where there was no option to come here. Like it kind of made sense that if you're bringing 200 people home at once, like you, you should put them all in the same place. Mm. Um, and Darwin was just an easy option for them, I think. Um, you know, Kate stayed on a bit longer because she was um, hoping to get a position on the IOC um, athletes representative, but sadly missed out. Um, but she had to stay an extra day basically to find that out and deal with all that. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's the short explanation of what we've been told. Um, and yeah, some people are back in home ports already, but in quarantine. 
there's no one really that's going to miss out on the quarantine experience, mm. which is, yeah, I'm not going to say a good thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was talking to the New Zealand swim team the other day. I had uh, five of them on and they're all in, yeah, four and a half star hotels. They looked like they would, you know, they all but had like bathrobes on and just like looking pretty chilled and relaxed. And then I go to you and uh, Arnie's Instagram and stuff and see you. Uh, Indemountable, so I had to ask the question. Now, mate, it's not uh, too bad. Not gonna lie, it's actually pretty good. Like we're lucky we get a bit of fresh air and yeah, have, can have chats across the balcony. Um, obviously, social distancing with masks on outside, yeah. but yeah, that's that's a positive in that regard. So yeah, now you guys are much better at it than I would, but I'm a big whinger and I'm I don't mind to whinge. It doesn't bother me, so I'd be up there. I'd be complaining and whinging to luck. So. Um, I'm, you know, in awe of you guys and how you just take it in your stride. You'd be all right after, um, yeah, after eight weeks. No, I wouldn't. Eight weeks away. I wouldn't. I'd be, I'd be, because I hate (laughs) the heat. I hate the heat as well. So you put me in Darwin, I'd already be whinging. Uh, Yeah, it's 33 degrees today for anyone that's in Sydney or Melbourne or (sighs) Brisbane where it's like 20, 33. And that's their winter. I know. Damn. Oh, yeah, I couldn't handle it up there. God bless all the people that, that do it and love it up there. Now, mate, I've got to get to this part, and this is one of the reasons why I love asking this question at the end of a lot of the podcasts that I did was for this moment in particular. Now, when I last had you on, which was a while ago now, seems like a very long time ago. We've talked since on, on Instagram and stuff, but uh, we haven't had a podcast for a long time. I asked you what did you want me to add for the intro of you now, I'm not um, technologically uh, savvy enough to play it for you now because I don't know how it would work, but I'll just read it to you. You said, Olympic medalist, not any specific colour. We've come home with two. Uh, known as one of Australia's best breaststrokers, and I, I think that's comfortably um, being able to be said now. And giving back, and you wanted to be known as someone who gave back to the sport. Now, I can tell you this, what you guys in particular have done not just you but the australian swim team have uh, inspired you know swimmers of now but the next generation we know that um brisbane 2032 is only just over 10 years away i think what you guys have done has been nothing short of inspirational in terms of the lead up to that um making sure everyone's back in the pool as soon as we can um and charging towards that i think you guys have done a phenomenal job uh, and you should be very, very proud of yourself, mate. As I said to you, I was in tears watching because I've, you know, I've known you for a while now. I know the journey you've been on, how hard you've worked for it. Uh, I was very proud of you, and you should be very proud of yourself as well. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I, didn't, I honestly, I couldn't remember that I um, said those things. But that's kind of nice that a few of those things are ticked off. But hopefully, more to come, and hopefully, hopefully, um, cement a few more of those things. Yeah, well, I won't put you on the spot and get you to do it again, mate. I'll let you sort of uh, (laughs) bask in the glory of of ticking a few of those boxes off. But as I said, there's a lot of times we put things out into the universe, but it's not very often we're able to tick those boxes. And, you know, true uh, testament to yourself and your hard work and your coach and your support team that you were able to do that. For all the listeners out there, as I said, go back and listen to it. Those are his words. Uh, And he worked bloody hard to get there and he's been able to achieve them. So, mate, Thank you very much. Uh, as I said, we chat a lot, so no doubt we'll have you back on the podcast at some time in the future and maybe have a bit of fun next time and not be so uh, stringent with the, you know, maybe we'll just do a loose one and just no no script. We'll just go off script and just have a fly. chat. Oh, no doubt it'll be, what a, it'll be barbecue, it'll be coffee. 
Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do one in person sometime soon, hey? Ah, uh, for sure, mate. We'll catch up for a coffee. Uh, you're paying, of course, with the with the you know with all the accolades you've got coming your way now, and all the endorsement deals and sponsorships. No. Hopefully, hopefully, anyone listening wants to get in touch, you know. Ah, <laughs> oh, for sure, man. Don't worry, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll get people on board. Don't worry. Uh, we want the we want the car sponsorships and we want all of those ones and the Harvey Normans like look at our Arnie's on Harvey Norman that's what we want. I want one of those special TV, the special uh, fridges you press the button and then it opens up and you see what's in there and all that stuff. Oh, absolutely, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? We're gonna all dream. <laughs> I'll add that to the next one. It's not anything to do with swimming. It's all about the you know the Harvey Norman sponsorships and the special fridges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh mate thank yeah. you very much for coming on for a chat as i said i know you're busy today you've been on today you've been on triple m no doubt many many more interviews to come hopefully i've added a bit of something different into the into your schedule here with a bit of breaking it up and chatting so thank you very much for coming on off the block swing podcast not a problem thanks for having me it's always a pleasure cheers mate today's episode of off the block swimming podcast is proudly brought to you by our good friends at pro swim workouts Have you heard of Swim Better HQ? They are a fantastic swimming company bringing Olympic athletes together with our young junior Olympic hopefuls of the future. Whether it's swim clinics with Olympian Taylor McEwen or Zoom dryland sessions with Aussie superstar Shana Jack, Swim Better HQ are making sure our young aspiring athletes are getting the opportunity to learn from and speak with Australia's best swimmers. Head over to www.swimbetterhq.com right now to see their new amazing initiative, giving you, the fans, an opportunity to speak with Olympic gold medalist Meg Harris via Zoom. How good is that? So what are you waiting for? Head over to swimbetterhq.com right now. Sign up for a chat with one of our Olympic heroes. I just want to be with you.